the point of these lists is to talk about terrible presidents and then make fun of them. Yeah. Uh, and I do really want to hear from both of you and then from our listeners uh, as to what you think of the list. So, uh, do we, we have any other? Most of these people were uncircumcised. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're investigating the real issues on this podcast. <laughs> Listening to Laughing Historically with Adam Lax, Adam Cooney, and Dr. History Scholar. Welcome everybody to Laughing Historically Podcast. I'm Adam Lax. I'm Adam Coonan. And I'm Michael. And today we're Wait, gonna You talk- don't have a last name? I, I think I think I like the idea that my last name is Dr. Sage Scholar. Oh, Michael Dr. Sage Scholar. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I, I like can that call as you well. your name. <laughs> Michael Dr. Sage Scholar. <laughs> And yeah. I don't have to worry about editing it out because yeah. I'm going to fucking forget anyway. Yeah. And then, all right. All right, Michael, Dr. Sage Scholar. All right. And uh, today we're talking about what? Well, we got to do, let's do our This Day in History. Right? This Day in History. Yeah. So This Day in History, um, I, I'm a big fan of, of doing the This Day in History because I love finding the things that are connected. So today is January 8th, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1790, George Washington delivered the first State of the Union in American history. Uh, in 18, 18- he was like killing it. But 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 I believe I believe uh, you know it's weird how stilted 18th century language sounds when you say it like that. Uh, in 1815, Andrew Jackson wins the Battle of New Orleans, uh, the only major American victory in the War of 1812, and fought after the Af- war was officially after it was over. over. Yeah. yeah, that's really yeah. Um, I always I love talking to I ta- I taught sixth grade one year and we talked about the War of 1812, and uh, and I'm like you know we thought it was a victory and my students are like it doesn't look like one but it felt like one. Yeah, it yeah, felt like it was a moral victory. It, and it that's what we needed yeah, <laughs> after victory. getting the White House burned down. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then in 1973, seven men accused of the Watergate break-in begin their trial. Oh, nice. That's yeah. cool. So today, it we, like totally also, overturned the the military industrial complex, though, right? Like showed it for what it was, and I mean, I, Watergate has nothing. And, and to most do with of them are like. Radio commentators now, right? Like, Probably. Uh, yeah. They did nothing again, wrong. Christians who they did nothing wrong. You know. I think it's totally normal. And uh, Fox it. News. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're, they're, yeah, they're blacksmiths now. They retired. Yeah. To the, <laughs> they retired to Kansas. <laughs> they put shoes on yeah, horses. Yeah. Yeah. We never heard from him again. Never heard from them again. Just like Oliver North. Mm. Never heard from him again either. Uh, uh, so so I love it when he's on Fox News mm-hmm. and he's like, "All right, so my opinion on how to <laughs> fix things." We're talking like, about integrity yeah. today on Fox <laughs> News. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, now to cover the humanitarian issue in Africa, we've got Dick Cheney. <laughs> well, he's probably just trying to feed them to each other. <laughs> All right, the wor- wise words from a probable war criminal. Moving on. So today. Uh, I I want to do the five worst presidents. Oh, yay. So a few episodes ago, we did the list of the five wildest Roman emperors. And all the way back in in episode one, which was almost a year ago, uh, we talked about who might be considered the worst American president. Real quick, I'm going to cut out almost a year ago because I don't actually want the audience to know how, how long so it takes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, no. We do this like we do this every yeah. month on so, the, the day so, before. So today I want I thought it would be uh I thought we would take a look at that topic, the worst presidents in the US. Can, can we can we guess? 
first? Ooh, can we? Can ooh, we? That'd uh, be fun. So, yeah. so before before you guess, I, I I do want to say what my criteria were, and then okay. using the okay. criteria, All then right. you can guess. Uh, so a few <laughs> notes before we begin. First, I have made 1975 the cutoff. Okay. For mm-hmm. for worst president. Okay. Uh, there will be no one in uh, uh, no one on this list past that year, okay. past 1975. Mm. Uh, this is due to the historian within me. Uh, that likes to have a nice remove before making any final judgments sure. on a person of historical significance. Second, I've ranked them essentially on three criteria. The first and most important, how well did they uphold their oath of office? Second is corruption. How badly did they abuse the trust of the American people? And third and finally is incompetence. Did they just do a really bad job of being president? Mm. Okay, mm. so... Breaking okay. the oath destroying the trust of the people and then just being bad and then just yeah yeah just not like wrong wrong person wrong time sort of thing um which is maybe the least fair of the three yeah Uh, yeah. yeah, honestly like that's the one that's most um open to interpretation i suppose i think a little bit about truman right like i don't think he was like a good guy generally Mm -hmm. speaking i don't know if he's on your list but like didn't he like like fdr died and then he like wept He's just like I'm, I'm ready for this. Like it was something I think I thought. Oh, he, he didn't. I, I mean, I mean, there was that. But he also, I think, uh, uh, personally, he's definitely not on the list. I, I'm. I think Harry Truman did a really good job Bang of being job, president. Huh? All right. Well, well, mm. I'll I'll leave my Truman uh, uh, opinions <gasps> to myself for now. And, uh, As you should. Yeah. Yeah. Right, <laughs> so, so should we guess? Very, very pro Truman over here. All right. Here. Uh, here he I'll was kind of anti-Semitic, so you know, there's that. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> it was the, you know it was the it was that time yeah. you know? <laughs> my who's the, my favorite quote i ever heard about like anti-semitism or racism and especially in that time and i think it was the 30s 20s or 30s but his name was like eisenman or something mm-hmm. and he was essentially the guy who created federal drug laws and okay. was like there was a drunk history about him and stuff mm-hmm. but um at the time in like 1925 or whatever people were like you hear that guy talk he is fucking racist. Oh, that's that's how. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's how that's how people we were talking about. You're talking about Call of Cthulhu. I mean, uh-huh. that's how people in the 20s talked about H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, like in the 20s, people are like, "Dude, you should cool it." <laughs> and it's not even because those people didn't like racism; they just didn't like how obsessive he was. Yeah. Like, come on, man! It's like, take a break from the racism. <laughs> yeah, talk about something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you didn't consider like personal views or anything like that. Um, only I, I I did and there's a few of them or you mean my personal views no no or their the pre- personal like views. you know so their personal views uh, no I didn't I there's only one or two in which that intersects because it, it's intersecting with them doing the bad job okay uh, basically um, yeah do you, you want to guess Kunin you want you want uh, yeah yeah I'm it? gonna I'm gonna make a and there's five of them, so yeah. uh, so, five, do, so do do, we, do you okay. want to make five guesses? Yes. Or do you just want to guess number one? We're gonna guess. You want to oh, guess each time? All right, give your five. My number five, because we're gonna end up repeating ourselves too, right? Yeah. Because no, no, no like, just get, get get out your five oh. right now. All right. Um, I, <laughs> fifth worst, I'm gonna say John Quincy Adams because I don't like his stupid fucking name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I want to say uh, the Teapot Dome scandal guy. Warren Hardy. Warren, Warren Hardy. Hardy. He's definitely yeah. on there. Um, obviously, Johnson mm-hmm. is probably on the which, list. Uh, which Johnson? There's two of them. The post Civil War Johnson. Andrew, Andrew Johnson. Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Okay. Um, Jackson. Andrew Jackson. Because, well, see, that's tricky because when you say 
oath of office, trust mm-hmm. of the American people, mm-hmm. and bad job. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of nailed all three of those things, but in a real like I do genocide sort of way. That's true. <laughs> it's yeah. a little true. Yeah. It's like, oh, did he break the trust of the American people? And it's like, no, the American people were like, get natives out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, get Native Americans the fuck out of here. So he's like, I, I got yeah, you. Yeah. So I don't know. I want to. I'll just I'll throw him in there because I don't like him as a person. Mm-hmm. And hmm. Wilson's wife. <laughs> That's all the whole thing on the History Channel. She, she was basically in charge for a minute there. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Because there's no 25th Amendment. Okay, uh, Adam Lax. Uh, I would say probably start with uh, what's his name, James Polk. James he start, Polk. He started okay. that like the war with Mexico. The war with Mexico, essentially for no reason. And he for wrote no reason. the hokey pokey. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote the worst crime. <laughs> the worst wo- crime in American <laughs> history. The hokey pokey. America's original sin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so James That's Polk. What it's all about. Uh, James Buchanan. James Buchanan. Uh, Warren Hardy. Warren Hardy. Um, let's see. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, just because he's an asshole. He uh, was an asshole. Uh, not a fan. Not. <laughs> and let's see. Uh, McKinley for getting shot. Oh. <laughs> so, so you learned a duck, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thinks he can be president. Can't even like change cover. Oh. Who's that guy that lasted for like four months? Is he like died from like William Henry Harrison? Like yeah, mm. he died of a. Uh, he he gave the longest inaugural speech in American history, three hours. In, in a rainstorm uh, without a coat or an umbrella or oh, a hat and he got a cold <laughs> and then he got pneumonia and he died yeah no William Henry Harrison is so bad he can't even make the list because he didn't do anything he just yeah, yeah. he spent the entirety of his presidency dying yeah yeah um, okay you hey you've... but he's got that one stat Right, like he's like that one quarterback that threw a 99-yard pass that one time. And then immediately died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to be remembered for one thing. Yeah, yeah. So, it makes it a lot easier. So, so each segment will have uh, uh, when they were alive, what elections they participated in, when their administration was, what political party they belonged to, and then their background, the high points of their administration, and then the low points of their administration. And then finally... Like I said, this list is my own personal opinion. It is not by no stretch of the imagination the final word mm-hmm. on who like these the point of these lists is to talk about terrible presidents and then make fun of them. Yeah. Uh and I do really want to hear from both of you and then from our listeners uh, as to what you think of the list. So uh do so we do have any other most of these people were uncircumcised? <laughs> so, so we're investigating the real issues on this podcast uh do you guys have any other questions non-circumcision related before we begin why, why, why? before we begin any questions why? about methodologies or anything you guys did a lot of a lot of that groundwork before but anything before mm. we begin mm. okay so at number so. five interesting neither of you mentioned him is richard nixon so, so, and I picked 1975 very deliberately. Uh, so <laughs> I was he's pretty good before. at something. I, I mean, like, yeah. And so, so he was. Uh, well, I was gonna say before when you're like, I'm cutting off at 1975. I was like, all right, we're gonna do worst chancellors in German history. <laughs> Cut off in 1930. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh wow, that seems to skew so, the data a little so, bit. So, so life, uh, January 9th, 1913. Tomorrow be his birthday. 
birthday. Oh, wow. Uh, to, he died April 22nd, 1994. Uh, he participated in three presidential elections, 1960, which he lost, and then he won in 1968 and 1972. His administration is from 1969 to 1974, and he was a Republican. So uh, Richard Nixon was born in California. He served in the U.S. Navy during World War II. He was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. He was a U.S. Senator. He was Vice President to Dwight D. Eisenhower, and generally not a nice guy. I try to imagine him. He was in the Navy. Yeah, like him just walking around like the Navy boat, like it's like like get him. Well, when he joined the Navy, he actually had a high pitched voice, like he's like, and then they put him. <laughs> and then they put him right above the engines. They just <laughs> vibrated him into that. <laughs> Mind the ducks. <laughs> and it just, he came out that way. <laughs> so a quote from Harry Truman about him uh, was, and I think Truman said this during the 1960 election, uh, that Nixon is a no good lying bastard. If he ever discovered himself telling the truth, he would just lie to keep his foot in. <laughs> Uh, He is at number five because his highs are higher than anyone else on the list. Mm -hmm. So the the things that he accomplished, there are some genuine accomplishments in there. Overthrowing Uh, Chile, the Chilean (laughs) government, that's up there. Uh, So high. (laughs) We've always known that Adam Lanz for Chile and and, uh, Allende. I, I would like to say, too... If you don't know, I'm the only one in this room without a degree in history. I just want to be like, like, name presidents, Adam. I'm like, oh. Name the five worst. I was like, well, I'll name five of the ten I know. (laughs) So uh, in in his foreign policy, uh, he began the end of the Vietnam War. We'll get to the Vietnam War and the lows. But he did begin the end of the Vietnam War. Uh, He opened China uh, and capitalized on the Sino-Soviet split of the 1960s. Uh, he engaged the Soviet Union through the policy of detente. Mm-hmm. So during his presidency is probably the closest the U.S. gets to like a normal-ish relationship to the Soviet Union, uh, which bore fruit in signing the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty. They appreciated his alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely did. Send the president who can party. Come on, you dirty rotten <laughs> <laughs> Break the fuddles and the strippers, boys. I don't know. That got real. That got real like 1950s cop for no reason. I mean, I, I think Richard Nixon kind of thought of himself as a 1950s cop. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Welcome, not old. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Uh, and he began the split. Uh, he began splitting Egypt from the USSR, which did eventually lead to the Egypt-Israeli peace of 1979. Right. So. That won't culminate until the Camp David Accords with with uh, Carter at the end of the decade. But that doesn't begin if Nixon and Kissinger don't start the process of of bringing Egypt out of the Soviet Union's sphere of influence. He um, also supported the EPA, which yeah. is, like some on, of his domestic policy, we're, we're policies gonna, are very surprising. Yeah, on the domestic side. He created the EPA. That's literally the next sentence. Nice. Uh, he endorsed <laughs> he endorsed the ERA, the Equal yeah. Rights Amendment, though apparently not very forcefully. He's just like, yeah, I don't care yeah. if you do yeah. it. He didn't 
help it, but he, he women. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the few ladies want to go out, but you just do it. Okay? You know, Pat's always saying that. You know, you know. I'm, hey, if you little ladies want to go out and march, don't let me stand in your way. Slaps an ass. Like, We're all working on a Nixon impression today. Yeah, yeah. I think mine's pretty good. That's it. Okay. I mean, Burr. you know, <laughs> what, what I think is. Uh, I love the show Futurama oh, yeah. and Nixon's yeah. edited oh, jar, yeah, yeah, yeah. which means that Billy West, who does that voice, has played a president more often than any other actor oh, in nice. history, nice. Uh, playing Nick Richard Nixon's head in a jar. Um, <laughs> he oversaw the beginning of integration uh, and affirmative action, and he oversaw Apollo 11 landing on the moon. So, you know, those oh, are yeah. some, those He are was some... there for, like, the tail end. He kind of yeah. got, like... He did. I mean, that's Credit true. for what Kennedy started. Yeah, Kennedy real, and Johnson. Real Steve Young of presidents. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like, now... Like, like, right on someone's t- coattails. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, overseeing the things someone else planned and executed doesn't mm-hmm. make you, like, super great. Yeah, but, I mean... It sounds like something an alcoholic could do. <laughs> <laughs> and, admittedly, I think, I think there's something to that. There's also... There are further Apollo missions after Apollo 11 mm-hmm. that, like... What I mean by that is, is that Nixon didn't um, like to shut down NASA and the Apollo program quick, while being president. Uh, check your notes real quick. Um, uh, how did Apollo thirteen go? Because he did he oversee <laughs> that one? He did, but nobody died. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah. They, they built an air filter out of fucking diapers. Or yeah, I know. It's yeah. awesome. It's a good movie. It is really a good movie. Uh, good so movie the low Tom Hanks is really So the lows to begin with. He and his campaign. Oh, May, what happened? Something in Watergate. Right? Well, we'll get to that. May. <laughs> this, is in, this is in 1968. In 1968, may have interfered with Lyndon Johnson's negotiations for peace in right. Vietnam, telling the South Vietnamese to take a harder line in the negotiations, yeah. knowing that it would hurt Democrat Hubert Humphrey, mm-hmm. allow Nixon to win, and that Nixon would be able to deliver a better deal to the Fucking South Vietnamese government. Dirty dick, man. Now, this is all speculative. The, 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 the evidence for it isn't super hard mm-hmm. but that being said i wouldn't put it past tricky dick yeah. uh, oh yeah uh, he oh, i love that <laughs> i am not a crook i'm not a crook i'm a tricky dick all right there's a difference what do you think henry that's very good mr president you are trickiest dick <laughs> yeah yeah the henry kissinger nixon dynamic has got to be uh, a, a very... it's a dr jekyll mr hyde thing in a, in a way, almost, uh, in the sense that just like Kissinger, I don't think has any emotions. Pure at evil. All. No emotion. Kissinger though. is pure evil. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yes. Yeah, it, so, so the kind of guy you want in your corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least he's not working for the other guy. Yeah. Am I right? All right? So he promised uh, quote peace with honor in Vietnam, and in the course of the presidency, intensified the conflict, expanding the war to Laos, Cambodia. And an extremely intense bombing campaign of North Vietnam. All promoted uh, by Kissinger. Oh, yeah. At home... How did he get... Was he like, peace by honor? Like, sir, how do you get honor? The same way as in Call of Duty. You shoot as many people as possible. <laughs> to call in those airstrikes, yeah. Uh, at home, he conducted the so-called Southern Strategy. Uh, for most of American history, the Southern United States right. uh, had been the, quote, solid South, always voting for Democrats. Nixon is the first Republican to make inroads into that area and win. Um, Barry Goldwater had done something similar in 1964. 
uh, but he had lost the rest of the country except Arizona. Mm. Like, if you look at an electoral college map in the 1964 election, it's like the five cotton belt states and Arizona, and then everyone else yeah. voted for uh, Johnson. What was the thing he would do to attract the whole South into oh, his campaign? Yeah. He did this by emphasizing states' rights, social mm. conservatism. State ta- rights. To, to Racism. Want, yeah, talking about, <laughs> quote, law and order. And covertly opposing and criticizing the civil rights movement. Yeah, I, um, in one of my uh, college classes, I, I studied political science, which I now refer to as political history because none of it matters, none of it counts anymore. We, we're having fistfights in Congress and stuff. Yeah. And anyway, um, but I remember there was a campaign video that uh, what, what was his name again? Nixon? Uh, no, no, the the Buchan- uh, uh, Goldwater. Goldwater. Thank oh yeah, you. yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, but it was. I just remember it was this campaign video and it was like do you you know uh, and it like the the camera starts to like pan in on a shop window mm-hmm. or whatever and they're like we need to stop crime and a fucking molotov cocktail just goes through the window and mm-hmm. the whole thing bursts mm-hmm. into flames mm-hmm. and i and like the i just remember the professor being like if you want to rob a store do you start the fire first or second <laughs> <laughs> meaning like it was obviously had to do with like race race riots yeah. and stuff and like Absolutely. like we're going to stop all these race riots and yeah. put uh, you know people back in their place and whatnot. Yeah. Certain people. So, well, and mm-hmm. so Nixon's chief of staff, I have a quote here from him. Uh, chief of staff said he, uh, Nixon, quote, emphasized that you have to face the fact that the whole problem is really the blacks. The key is to devise a system that recognize this while not appearing to. Yeah, yeah. And wow. Quote. Yeah. Uh, like like, uh, like good old dog fashioned whistle. dog whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know? exactly. That's that's exactly it. So this kind of scorched earth, divisive politics flies squarely in the face of the president's oath of office, and is certainly not a strategy for long term. You certainly don't see that today in no. modern GOP to- politics no, at all. Not at all. Uh, and then finally, we get to the Watergate scandal, right? Uh, the name of which has become synonymous with political corruption and scandal. Like mm-hmm. you know, we put everything as a gate now. Uh, so in the nineteen 19- invented yeah the gate yeah. invented gate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> politics was never the same after yeah. that yeah uh, the newest one picket fence gate <laughs> uh, security guard gate. fucking house speaker gate <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the nineteen seventy two election was a landslide uh, it was the last time my home state of Minnesota voted for a Republican in a presidential election did they really yeah mm-hmm. that's the last time they did it. 1984 was a real lonely year for Minnesota when we voted for favored son, Walter Mondale, and we were very alone. Um, George McGovern, who is from South Dakota, won only Massachusetts and D.C. That's it. Uh, Nixon won in a landslide, both on the Electoral College, but even when you look at the popular vote, it wasn't close. And yet, Nixon felt the need to cheat. Uh, ordering people to paranoia. Break, yeah, he that that was his downfall was paranoia. Absolutely. Uh, so he ordered people to break into the Watergate Hotel in Washington to tap the phones of the Democratic Party base there. Uh, he ordered hush money payments. He lied to Congress and to the American people. And so the period of 1968 to 1974 can be seen as a breaking of the consensus in American politics that had existed since World War II. Like, broadly speaking... More gates. We need more gates. We need more gates. Um, From World War II to this period, there could be disagreements between parties and people, but more or less everyone felt they were on the same page. Um, Nixon broke this by making people a lot more cynical about politics. 
Um, and he was impeached by the House of Representatives and resigned before the Senate could vote to convict him. Um, and apparently the reason he resigned was that Barry Goldwater, who was the leader of the Republicans in the Senate at the time, told Nixon, I'm not going to whip votes to to acquit you. I'm going to let my members vote their conscience. Mm -hmm. And Nixon could do math and knew that there was a two-thirds majority, uh, that enough Republicans would defect to, right, to, right. to vote to convict that it was a done deal. Um, so, yeah, so he, he resigned from office. Mm -hmm. You yeah. forgot to mention the best source the name of that source, <laughs> the bottom-down deep throat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. The, the, and uh, I forget, was the porn from the name, or was the name from the porn? The, the name was from the porn. Oh, nice. It's one yeah. of the first, like, big pornos yeah. in the modern like long, era. Or? Just like it, it was very popular, oh. popularized mm -hmm. pornography. How was the story? <laughs> <laughs> was it deep? <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's layers to it? <laughs> all right okay so uh so number four is warren harding wait wait yeah uh any more about richard nixon there's so much. i just want to so do the much. voice more yeah that's all i really want i, mean, I won't do it do the rest of this podcast yeah you could just voice. you could just be the ghost of richard nixon <laughs> oh okay. you know looking down on the four people who Mike, <laughs> Michael Dr. Sage Scholar thinks is worse than him. Harding, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> How did I get the resignation? <laughs> so number four is uh, Warren Harding. He was born November 2nd, 1865. He died August 2nd, 1923. Uh, he was elected in 1920. He served from 1921 to 1923. And his political party was Republican. So his background... He'd been a longtime Republican from Ohio. He served in the... That, that's the problem. He's from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> wait, there's a couple of bigger cities in Ohio. Let's just be cool to them. Then we'll wait until there's a president from Arkansas, and then we'll just shit all over. <laughs> you mean... We don't want to alienate our large well, Ohio yeah, but, base? Is that what you're yeah. saying, Coonan? What? You don't want to alienate our large Ohio base? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati! <laughs> 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 So uh, he served in the Ohio State Legislature. He was governor of Ohio. And then he was the junior senator from Ohio before being nominated as the dark horse candidate for president in 1920. Um, he won on a platform of, quote, return to normalcy uh, from the previous two decades of progressive reform and world war. Mm. Um, you know, the reason he was nominated, Teddy Roosevelt died at the beginning of 1920. And there's a lot of historians who think that Roosevelt hadn't died, he would have won the Republican nomination. Mm -hmm. um, and basically all of the front runners, he, Harding was everyone's second choice uh, in the, at the Republican convention in 1920. <laughs> what, like, what was normalcy in 1920? So, I, I just wanna, so, so normalcy would mean uh, the federal government is not going to do jack shit. Mm -hmm. uh, and right. we're not going to be involved in the rest of the world unless it's Latin America. Mm -hmm. right. uh, that is that was that was what normalcy meant. It would mean we absolutely there was no chance of joining the League of Nations. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no chance of of doing anything remotely useful in the rest of the world. And you're going to start rolling back those progressive ideas of the federal government intervening in 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 the economy right regulating things and that mm -hmm. sort of thing so he, that's a return to normalcy in the 1920s yeah just in time just, just, in, just time. in time just when for the, the rise of the kkk like. mm -hmm. um so yeah so some highs you know there's a few things he did 
Uh, he did officially preside over the end of World War I for the United States because the United States did not sign the Versailles Treaty or ratify the Versailles Treaty uh, and its attendant agreements because Versailles only made peace with Germany. There's a series of other treaties that are named for other Parisian suburbs that are the treaties with like Turkey and Austria and Hungary and things like that. Um, but he did, he did end World War I like officially. Uh, for the United States. He negotiated and signed the Washington Naval Conference. This is legitimately a, a big deal, uh, which prevented another naval arms race in the 1920s. Um, basically, there was a there was a burgeoning naval arms race, and then the Washington Naval Treaty kicked that can down the road for about 10 years, which mm. is actually a pretty big deal. Um, naval armaments would stay more or less static for the rest of the decade. Were um, they making improvements, or were they just you know what I mean? Or no, it it, it, like it, it limited it limited tonnage, but oh, okay. in limiting tonnage, uh, both in terms of the the weight ships could be, but also the total tonnage of the fleets. Okay, uh, this is like for instance, if you read about World War II, this is the beginning of the five five three ratio, like where so for every uh, the five five three ratio is that the United States and Britain would have five tons of naval armaments for every three tons japan would have mm. that was the the argument that was made <laughs> they're like well they're shorter no they are we but, cutting that one out we but the the one. actual reason uh, and what's interesting is is japan japanese militarists will yell about how this is western imperialist domination of their country the mm. washington naval conference yielded east asia to the japanese navy mm-hmm. because japan at, a, at the five five three ratio, like think about that in terms of for every one, for every five American battleships, there are three Japanese battleships. Mm-hmm. But think about where Japan puts its battleships. They all go to Japan. Mm-hmm. Now think about well, where the United. Where do you th- <laughs> no? But then think about where the United States puts its five battleships. Uh, it yeah. can't put them all in the Pacific. Right, right, right. right? So and it's the same with Britain. Where is Britain going to put its five battleships? Like this treaty actually yields the eastern uh, east asia and the western pacific to japan in a naval sense okay but my issue is that you keep saying that as if like we were being nice like as if no, they no, don't I... actually live there <laughs> like it, we yield no no but like they're part no. of the world to them where they live no but like... at the same token like the japanese and the reason the japanese signed the treaty how dare we is that <laughs> they know they know again and this would happen in world war 2 the United States, if it wanted to, could win a naval arms race. Yeah. yeah. So the Japanese signed the treaty going, this will guarantee our supremacy in East Asia, and it will prevent us from being bankrupted by having to race the United States. Anyway. I no, think no, I get, I get that. I get that. But it's still like, it's one of the things, don't get me wrong, <laughs> Japanese Army and Navy did lots and lots of very bad, bad things. Bad, bad things. Uh, but like when you look at them coming up to World War II, it's uh, I get one of those beers. I'm gonna get one of those beers. Thanks. Uh, when you look at them coming up to World War II, you're like, well, the world is essentially haves and have-nots mm-hmm. at that point in time, like predator and prey. And Japan's like, well, we're not gonna do our best not to be prey, right? That's- you look at like you know, you know, you look at Southeast Asia, Vietnam, China, Cambodia, China, yeah. Korea, like yeah. Well, they did Korea. Well, they, they took Korea. They took Korea, but didn't they take it from Russia? No, they took it from the Koreans. Oh, was it from yeah, the Koreans? Yeah, no, oh, they okay. definitely did. I thought that they were like the Koreans had a Japanese puppet Korea. government. No, the I mean they probably. I mean they probably did, but but they replaced puppet government with with military rule for fifty years. Yeah, no, very bad, very very bad. Like, 
But again, Australia, the Philippines, Indonesia, like the yeah. whole area is essentially well, colonies that's minus true. Japan. And, and, and again, this is the, the Washington Naval Conference is, is part of an attempt in the 1920s to actually move away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and anyway, so that, that was one. Uh, he, he, um, he commuted the sentence of perennial socialist presidential candidate Eugene Debs. Mm. Who'd yeah. been in prison for opposing the U.S. involvement in World War One? <clears throat> mm-hmm. So you know that's a pretty decent thing to do. Yeah, he was like on death's door, so they're like, we'll let him out. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he was like, I think it was like seventy-five yeah. at that point. They're like, yes, but uh, can he wave a red flag? He cannot <laughs> let him out. The time has come for yeah. his freedom. So uh, the lows now; uh, those are the highest. The lows. Uh, Harding had promised the quote return to normalcy in the aftermath of World War One, which meant he vetoed bonuses for World War One soldiers. Mm. Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, he authorized extremely heavy-handed tactics in dealing with the Great Railroad Strike of 1922, mm. which not only further uh. radicalized labor, it also show, seemed to show that the administration didn't really know what it was doing. Wait, like, how so? Because, I mean, no, no, like, less the railroad strike wasn't like, like, it was a success in the fact that it, like, scared the powers that be, but it was a failure in that the vast majority oh, of the strikers didn't gain any of their... No, what I mean, what, like, compared to his predecessors, mm. like... Roosevelt, Taft, and Wilson, excuse me, had been far more adept at like actually dealing with labor. Oh. And instead, what people saw was, yeah, the, the strikers didn't get anything, but they didn't get anything because they got gunned down. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. they didn't get anything because the government like finessed them, right? Which, uh, which isn't you great. Are, you are right that one of those things is worse than the other. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't argue with that. That's true. I think the federal government has. Up to that point, mostly anti-labor, especially oh, yeah. if you look at like the, the uh, but, end of nineteenth, early twentieth century. That's true, but you, then you, but you have like, for instance, Theodore Roosevelt uh, ended the the coal miner strike by taking the side of labor. Mm-hmm. Like he forced the the coal companies, the, the the mining companies, to improve conditions and raise pay. And he mm-hmm. said, if you don't do this, I'm going to nationalize your coal mines and use the army to dig out coal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the last time a president <laughs> helped labor. <laughs> 100 years ago. Franklin Roosevelt did it. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah, did, right, did Franklin, good stuff. Franklin Roosevelt did two things. He forced business to like pay and sell at decent prices. He was like, you guys are going to stop being pricks. And then he turned around and looked at every like coal, steel, and like railroad worker. And he was like, if you strike, I'm going to crush you. <laughs> so everybody was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Jesus. Jesus, you crazy ass. So that guy's crazy. He's in a wheelchair. Still local, man. <laughs> <laughs> we call him, we call him Hot Wheels. <laughs> so next, Sorry, uh, let's examine his cabinet, which might be oh, the yeah. most hilariously crooked corrupt of the 20th yes. century. Nice. Super crooked. So his attorney general, Harry M. Dougherty, was accused but never convicted of accepting payoffs from bootleggers during Prohibition. He was further accused, again, never convicted, of defrauding the government. I see an innocent man so far. <laughs> His director of the Veterans Bureau, Charles R. Forbes, mm-hmm. was sent to prison for defrauding the government. Wait, are you saying that someone with the last name Forbes would do something illegal? <laughs> yeah, in the financial market? That's weird. That's weird. They definitely shouldn't name a magazine after him or anything. He gave sweetheart deals for constructing veterans hospitals, increasing the price from $3,000 to $4,000 per bed. The increased cost was then split between him and his buddies. He got about a third. 
Was he convicted for that? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is why uh, he went to prison. Guilty. <laughs> he authorized oh, he authorized spending $105,000 to buy land that was worth less than $20,000. His buddy owned the land, and he split the proceeds with him. Mm. He was selling valuable hospital supplies from government stockpiles left over from the First World War to private interests, all while the Veterans Bureau was buying expensive supplies off of the public market. Forbes was eventually done in, not because anyone, like, figured all of this out, but because he was sleeping with the wife of a person who turned state's witness against him. Oh. <laughs> Why'd the guy turn? I <laughs> 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 think good reason. That's very funny. And so finally, we get to the Teapot Dome scandal, which was the worst act of political corruption in the U.S. before Watergate. Uh, and so before Watergate, this is what you compared political corruption to. Okay. Um, so while it came to light post-death uh, and did not implicate Harding directly, he appointed all of the people mm-hmm. who were involved, and a leader has to bear responsibility for these sorts of things. Um, so the Unless te- you're Elon Musk at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Uh, Teapot Dome was an oil field in Wyoming that had been set aside for use by the U.S. Navy in case of war or emergency. It was a strategic reserve. For years, oil companies had wanted to develop the area. Administration officials, in Hmm. particular Albert Fall, the Secretary of the Interior, took bribes in exchange for sweetheart deals to oil companies to begin drilling in these areas. Fall would eventually go to prison for bribery. Hmm. So most of his cabinet, large portions of his cabinet, ended up in prison. Did anyone in the oil companies go to prison? Uh, I don't think so. The more stuff changes, the more it stays the same, (laughs) turns out. Yeah. So, any questions about that's that's the the end of my. So he had died by the time. The yeah, he dies in office. Um, he dies in office. What did he die of? Uh, it might be having extramarital broken affairs. Heart. A broken heart. I have no idea if it's <laughs> a broken heart. <laughs> the fuck did he? Did he, <laughs> did he yeah, he didn't he have like a? a uh, didn't he have like a? Uh, he had a bunch affair? of. He had a bunch of affairs. I didn't even. Well, yeah, yeah he had yeah. like a, a few side pieces. You mm-hmm. know? That doesn't make you a bad president, though. I mean, no, just, no, that's that's why I didn't mention it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His moral fortitude is not on, <laughs> um, on trial here. It, <laughs> All right. uh, yeah, no, I'm. His replacement is Calvin Coolidge, mm. Cool Cal, who has one of my favorite stories. Uh, Calvin Coolidge just didn't talk a whole lot. Mm-hmm. His like campaign slogan when he ran for reelection in 1924 was "Stay cool with Cal." Um, but he was at a dinner party once. He smoked cools. Though. He did probably. <laughs> uh, he was at a dinner party once, and there was a woman at this dinner party. Uh, who's who made a bet with the man sitting next to her? She goes, "I bet I can get the president to say more than two words all night." Calvin Coolidge, very famously taciturn. She turns to President Coolidge and goes, "Sir, Mr. President, I've made a bet with the man next to me that I can make you say more than two words all night." To his response was, "You lose," and he said nothing the mm-hmm. rest of the night. Uh. And I'm like, "That's I don't like Calvin Coolidge for a whole host of reasons." That's a pretty all right. It's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty laconic. I'm, I dig it. But mm. why? Why don't you like him? Oh, uh, he was uh, he deregulated the economy severely. Oh. Like he does that. He so he, he saved business. Go on. He vetoed farm bills, uh, like farm uh, subs, like bailing mm-hmm. out farmers who had oh. who had um, basically the U.S. government in during World War One had encouraged farmers to take out loans to increase production. Uh-huh. Um, and then, so farmers are, you know, leveraged to the hilt, which the government had asked them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and European 
agriculture rebounded after World War I a lot faster than everyone anticipated, which meant that farm prices collapsed in the middle of the 1920s, and these all of these farmers are up to their eyeballs in debt, and the, the market, the prices have dropped out the bottom. Really? So, Why didn't they just produce more? Because this is the this is the irony of agriculture yeah. policy. The more farmers produce, the more they get screwed over. Because well, the, can't the, they just produce more after that? <laughs> <laughs> but 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 basic. But I understand why when, we don't but, when he, on roads or whatever. but when he vetoed when he vetoed that there was like a farm bill that was going to help farmers with their debts and and things like that. He, he his apparent apparently his reply was they've always been poor. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, that's a pretty not super wrong, uh, but also <laughs> like cute. kind of a dick thing to do, you know. And he, he and, wasn't about helping other people. He wasn't. He, he wasn't he about. Really, he, he, uh, but at least, at least he wasn't, you know, hilariously corrupt. Right. This is right. He would be. He'd be he like at didn't six. Talk. Or, he didn't. Can you talk? imagine having a pol- politician that big not talking at all these yeah. days? In my dreams. <laughs> it, it, but but that might actually worry me, because you know you know, what are they doing? they're not talking but anyway he'd probably be at like six or seven he's not in the he's not in the bottom five but he's definitely honorable mention he's an honorable, honorable mention yeah uh so number cow. three okay is uh andrew johnson ah oh this guy born december 29th I actually this would have been my number one uh i feel like, uh, like based on your initial list but sorry yeah, go no, on. uh so born december 29th 1808 died july 31st 1875 he uh never actually ran for president uh, as as a presidential candidate, mm-hmm. um, his administration eighteen sixty five to eighteen sixty nine, political party Democratic and technically National Union, which I'll explain here in a moment. So his background: he was born poor in North Carolina. Uh, he moved to Tennessee and spent most of his life there. He was elected to the House of Representatives eighteen forty two. He served from eighteen forty three to eighteen fifty three, uh, from which he moved to the governor's mansion for four years and then was elected to the U.S. Senate. Uh, by the Tennessee state legislature. Mm-hmm. He was the only Southern senator not to resign from the Senate uh, and one of the few prominent Southern Democrats who chose union over slavery in 1861, uh, in, in, the, in the secession winter of 1860-61. Mm-hmm. When Union armies liberated Tennessee, President Lincoln chose Johnson to be the military governor of the state during the war. So he's military governor of Tennessee during the war. Uh, and then in 1864, wanting to show a more united front, Lincoln nominated Johnson as his vice president, and the two ran as members of the National Union Party. There wasn't technically a Republican Party in 1864, oh, yeah, yeah. like on the ballot. It was the National Union Party hmm. or the Union Party. Uh, Lincoln and Johnson met for the first time on April 14th, 1865. In person. That was the first time they met. In person was April 14th, 1865. Really? That night, Lincoln was shot dead by John Wilkes Booth. Really? Huh. So the following day, Johnson became president of the United States. They'd never met before the night of his assassination. Hmm. Interesting. Can yeah. we do conspiracy theories? No. <laughs> Johnson, was the Johnson, head- Johnson wasn't John- that smart. Johnson was the head vampire. Yeah. <laughs> and Abraham Lincoln had been slaying vampires on trains. I saw a documentary about it. You did. See, I really want to watch that movie. It's sometime. actually not that bad. It's I, that's what I've fun. heard is that yeah. it's a fun movie. He and... fucking ninjas an axe and shit. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty gnarly. So and he's got a sick beard. So, so the highs. Uh, the only high I have here is he oversaw the end of the Civil War. Uh, because the largest surrender of Confederate troops does occur at Again, Durham Station. He's riding on coattails. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I, I understand. That's how little there is to to celebrate about Andrew Johnson. Mm-hmm. I tried. I looked. 
Uh, there isn't there isn't anything else. But the largest surrender of Confederate troops, I mean, does occur. He after. was the biggest white supremacist ever to be American president. Essentially, that's a, probably. That, oh, yeah. I mean, and that's saying a lot. It I is mean, because you, know, you have Andrew Jackson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the others. most openly white supremacist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but it, what, I, what I mean by that is, is like for instance. Um, What's interesting about that surrender, the surrender at uh, Durham Station, North Carolina, uh, is Joseph Johnson, Confederate General Joseph Johnston, surrendering to William Tecumseh Sherman. Uh, and Sherman, now that the war is over, doesn't actually care about like the politics of the war anymore. Um, Sherman's ready to go west and kill some Indians. That's what he's just ready to be done. And, and he grants Joseph Johnston extremely lenient terms. Mm. At, at Durham Station. So much so that Johnson, Grant, and the Secretary of War, Edmund Stanton, have to send him a telegram being like, you need to make them surrender again. That you can't <laughs> offer them what you offered them. <laughs> and so, so Sherman has to go back to Johnston and his generals and be like, you, because, and but that's the, you know, to Johnson's credit, Johnson, you know, sort of forces that line. You, you can only offer what Grant offered Lee at Appomattox. You can't offer anything more than that. Mm. Um, because, that's not how things work. So again, it's not a huge high, but we're getting deep into the list of shitty presidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the lows, all of Reconstruction, all of it, all, all of it. it. Okay. So Andrew Johnson entered the presidency the with presidential Reconstruction. Yeah, he entered the presidency with three goals. Uh, one was to the uh, to enact the speedy restoration of the Southern states. He believed that they never truly left the Union. Uh, second, that He's political like, you've been a naughty boy. Yeah, we, we're gonna like give you a little rap on the <laughs> the wrist. I feel like that, that's yeah, it. He he forgave the southern states the way that like rich moms forgive their rich children for mm -hmm. doing terrible terrible things. Oh. Like he's sorry that he. Uh, ran over that other kid yeah, yeah, with yeah. car and, like. and and there's but there's it, there is that he doesn't like rich people though, which we're about to get to. It, I think it's it's more it's the white supremacy. Yeah, because because this this doctrine of they never left the union means that all of their laws still exist, uh. right? Because like radical Republicans never never took the line that they'd never left the union in, in air quotes. Uh, some of them uh, like Thaddeus Stevens talked about their conquered territories, conquered in war. We should use that. My favorite, because I'm an ineffectual intellectual, mm -hmm. uh, is uh, Senator. Uh, That's his rap name, by the way. Yeah, ineffectual, <laughs> ineffectual intellectual. <laughs> dropping that. Yeah, dropping Mixed the tape that, <laughs> next week. Uh, but uh, oh, it's I. E. I'm Trump, a fucking idiot. Charles. <laughs> 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 I, Charles Sumner uh, said formulated a uh, a notion that they uh, that the states had committed quote state suicide, um, and as state suicide they reverted to uh, uh, federal state territory. Suicide. That they that sounds cool. I like they, the, I like that. that they had, but that they had reverted to the uh, the status of federal territory. Confederacy should just be known as state suicide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so so good metal band. Yeah, so, for real. So yeah. first was the speedy restoration of the states. state suicide. Well, and, uh, let's talk. I want to mm -hmm. just yeah. talk a little bit more about they never left the because it's mm -hmm. it's what it's it's magical thinking. Right, like if you're, there's a Joan Didion book I read a long time ago, but in her case, her husband died, so she kept magically thinking that he would come back to life one day, or that he wasn't really dead. It's like mm -hmm. you have to exist mm -hmm. in reality, but using a type of thinking mm -hmm. that, like, 
you know isn't real. Yeah. Like, it, it's logical insanity. Like, how could anyone just, like... Like, say to a Union soldier, mm-hmm. they never technically left. It was like, tell that when they were shooting us with cannons. Yeah. Right? No, like and, and, and so... So I think this is this is going to get to the point where Andrew Johnson's real dumb. Magical thinking. So Abraham Lincoln would use the argument they never left the Union. Abraham Lincoln was never consistent, though, about what he thought about the Confederacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would say whatever currently suited his needs. Because if they'd never left the Union, most of what the United States government did in the South is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that to U.S. citizens. You right. can't suspend habeas corpus. You can't declare a blockade you can't you know give carte blanche to your generals to just yeah. steal everything that isn't nailed down mm-hmm. but generally if they... you can't let the white ones shoot the other white ones that's <laughs> but if they if they if they never left the union then they can't be recognized by foreign powers uh-huh. like that's the, the for lincoln that was the crux of that argument was that he was he was signaling to britain and france don't recognize them as a as an independent country because they're not an independent country. Mm-hmm. Now, practically speaking, yes, the Confederacy was an independent country. Right. It's almost like if you write up a constitution and form a government and defend it with armies, yeah. your, your own country. Yeah. Which is what the British said. Yeah. Like there's literally the quote from Gladstone. Yeah, but they said it all fucking douchey and British. <laughs> That's true. So no one and and to the, quote is, to them, the quote is yeah, but to actually say shut your fucking mouth. Well, yeah, what they said was Mr. Davis has created an army. He's created a navy. And what's more, He's created a nation. That was like he literally. Said he said it. That's in, what Gladstone. In that, in that tone. Yes, that's what Gladstone said about. Uh, Go and back then, to Hogwarts. You yeah. fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Is that uh, what a navy in an army, <laughs> Mr. Davis. Like he's like, Go back to Hogwarts and your Dumbledore, <laughs> you fucking brick. You fucking brick. It's out. He created a navy and an armor. Oh, what does this even mean? Force cars coming here for home. This is primordial Nixon. Yeah, yeah, primordial Nixon. <laughs> I actually got to hate is everything. <laughs> Nixon is everything and everywhere. And he follows the- you even in your dreams. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on the eighth day, God created me. Oh. <laughs> and then I killed God. Oh. The tournament of Nixon haunts us all. <laughs> <laughs> and I took God, I packaged him into Henry Kissinger, and we fought in Vietnam. So, after, after Wilkes Booth shot me in the head, I'm everywhere and everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I get. I was on Valley Ford and Thermopylae. Oh. Like you could strike me down. Come more powerful than you ever imagined. Don't you dare compare Richard Nixon to Obi Wan Kenobi. Right, because Lincoln was cool. That's cool. No, I'm saying we're we're already comparing Nixon to Lincoln. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he wasn't forming. Who's the Dalai Lama? I believe in peace. <laughs> okay, so. He who hath not said, Castle for Stone. <laughs> Nixon is everywhere. So. I will never die. So, wait, if I continue. You are my fire, my one desire. I wanted that away. (laughs) (laughs) 
something takes a part of me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do it. Nathan does karaoke. Yeah. Zomper, zomper, zomper. Do freebird. Burn your heart. Fucking freebird. I hate that. Fuck Leonard Skinner. <laughs> I'm an Alban Brothers fan myself. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, should I just? Should we just say no more Nixon voice? No, least. never. <laughs> <laughs> Nixon. It's like it's like the end of that Rick and Morty episode uh, where Rick is like, "I'm a hundred years Rick and Morty. Hundred years Rick and Morty. Nixon forever." <laughs> so, uh, so his first goal was the, the speedy restoration of the union. His second goal was to bring political power to poor whites in the South rather than the old planter aristocracy, right. uh, which he didn't like. Uh, and But he also did not think that former slaves should have the right to vote or participate in civic life at all. Mm. And then finally, to win re-election in, 1968, or in 1868 as a Democrat rather than as a member of the National Union Party. So restoration of the Union, political power transferred from the, the planter elite to poor whites, and then win re-election in 1868 as a Democrat. Those are his three goals. So the first point was problematic because it meant you were willing to accept, like I said earlier, accept southern states back into the Union with only minimal changes. Uh, If you believe that the states never actually left the Union, then all the state laws were still on the books, including laws about slavery, race, race relations, and who can vote. Now, Johnson did say that a condition of re-entry to the Union was ratifying the 13th amendment right right. he did say that but that was to punish planters yeah right like the only reason johnson wanted to end slavery was to punish rich well, white people it, like yeah. it essentially eliminates like the vast majority of their wealth exactly right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um but he's not cool with anything else uh andrew johnson's racism limited his ability to govern uh, he had no allies in congress since the congress was dominated by republicans who became more and more radical and Congress refused to seat a lot of the Democrats who were elected in 1865-66 because they didn't feel like they were reconstructed enough. A lot of people were getting elected to Congress from the South who were like, no, secession was cool. Slavery is awesome. We're going to go right back to the way things mm-hmm. were. And, co- and Republicans in Congress are like, you, then you don't get to be in Congress. Yeah. Go home. I, I love how it, they're more radical mainly because they think black people are equal. That, yeah. that, that was like, that's a very radical notion. Well, it's radical that, that, in a very they, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. way, like <laughs> super duper radical. It's, it's, no, I think, I think you mean too, rad. Yeah, that rad, rad versus rad. radical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but what I mean by this is when I say they're becoming progressively more radical, the radical Republicans were never a majority during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Of Republicans in Congress, the radicals were never – they were a very vocal, very they, – they controlled things. They, they dictated the pace of things, but they were never the majority. By the middle of Johnson's term, I would say that the radicals were a majority of the Republican conference. They were well organized. They were well organized. But what I mean is, is Johnson's radicalizing moderate Republicans into yeah. radical Republicans mm-hmm. by being a dick. Oh, right. So, that racist. I mean, in that yeah. way, he kind of helped. I mean, he, he definitely pushed <laughs> them in, in a certain direction. He did. Um, and so, was it a part of his master plan? Yeah. No. <laughs> Got you for like, a long time. So Johnson, so Johnson vetoed the Civil Rights Act of 1866, which formed the basis of the 14th Amendment. So basically, the 14th Amendment is Congress going, 
you vetoed the Civil Rights Act. We're just going to turn it into a part of the Constitution. Now, Congress passed the Civil Rights Act over his veto, which is the first time in American history to that point a veto had been overridden. Mm. No vetoes had been overridden in the first you know, 60, 70 years of the country's existence, uh, which is not a good – means he can't do basic math. Mm-hmm. Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're vetoing something, you better be prepared to uh, to to defend against a veto override, right? Yes, unless it's just like uh, you know symbolic, right? Like he yeah. wants to win election again as a Democrat. I mean, yeah, it I suppose, makes sense but like, veto. but you could do that. But like, for instance, the Constitution has the idea that if a law is passed and the president does nothing with it for like five or ten days, a desk it, veto, right? No, 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 the pocket veto. Pocket. Well, so depends. If Congress is still in session and five or ten days have gone by, or however many days, I can't remember off the top of my head, then it automatically becomes a law without the president's signature if Congress is still in session. Now, if Congress is out of session, that's the pocket veto. So if he was like, I don't want to, you know, Congress is overwhelmingly Republican. They, they passed this Civil Rights Act. He doesn't think it's a good idea. He could just, you know, put his hands up and be like, well, I didn't sign it. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead, mm-hmm. he vetoes it and then they override his veto. Right. Like, which doubles down on you're bad at your job. Mm. Right. Like, not only did you, f- like, from a political point of view, not only did your opponents succeed, they succeeded twice. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, so, with Congress becoming more radical and Johnson becoming more entrenched, Congress laid a trap for the president. They passed the Tenure of Office Act. This law was also passed over Johnson's veto and stated <laughs> so he, that... So he did, made the same mistake twice? Basically. Oh, they've override, they overrode so many of his vetoes. <laughs> now, uh, he stated that the pre, the, this law, the Tenure of Office Act, stated the president could, only, could not remove any officer from the government who had required the confirmation of the Senate without receiving permission from the Senate to remove them. Okay. Now, side note, this law is almost certainly unconstitutional. Like, that law, the law requiring... That uh, like you can't fire the Secretary of State without the Senate's permission. Oh, it's, it's probably it's a separation our, of powers. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. The reason that this law never was challenged is that Congress let it lapse. Like it's no longer on the books, and it lapsed in like 1880. Doesn't matter for our purposes. So Johnson had inherited Lincoln's cabinet uh, after the assassination, including the cantankerous and progressively more radical Secretary of War Edwin Stanton. In February of 1868, without consulting Congress, Johnson fired Stanton and replaced him with General Lorenzo Thomas as Secretary of War. Thus it was that Congress drew up 11 articles of impeachment against the president. They laid out in excruciating detail the process by which Johnson removed Stanton and planned to replace him with Johnson, with Thomas. They also accused him of abuse of power. So when I looked this up, I'm like, how do you get 11 articles of impeachment out of he violated the Tenure of Office Act? I'd be like, that's one article. No, no, no. It's like... He knowingly removed Stanton while we were at recess. Mm. He knowingly appointed Thomas while we were at recess. Thomas and Johnson knowingly agreed that while we were in recess that he would replace Stanton. Like, they lay it out in such detail because they only need one of these to pass. Right, right. Right? (laughs) Uh, the House passed all of the articles. Easily. <laughs> They're like, right. all right, guys, we only need to score 12 points. Mm-hmm. Oh, 123. All right. <laughs> uh, but it was a close fought battle in the Senate. The Senate was where you would have to do it. Now, Thaddeus Stevens of Pennsylvania, who is amazing. He's played by Tommy Lee Jones in the movie Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite. There's a story about him. Uh, apparently in the 1800s. Yeah, 
Uh, apparently, in the 1800s, it was normal for people to collect locks of hair from famous people. Yes. Yeah. That's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Thaddeus Stevens wore a wig. And so he's coming out of, out of the, the house chamber one day, and this woman comes up to him and goes, Mr. Stevens, can I get a lock of your hair? And he just pulls the whole wig off and goes, why don't you take the whole thing? <laughs> um, which I think is great. Yeah, that's a, that's uh, so, a good quip. Yeah. So Thaddeus Stevens said to the president, he was like, you know, speaking for the prosecution, quote, never was so great a malefactor so gently treated as Andrew Johnson. The people have been unwilling to blot the records of their country by mingling his crime with their shame. Shame for endurance for so long a time of his great crimes and misdemeanor. Right. Can I do that again, but as Nixon? That <laughs> 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 uh, seems real. I, I remember uh, in in uh, Lincoln, mm-hmm. but he was he was really good at uh, like senatorial shit talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he'd be like, oh well, like uh, like. Is he the one who got his ass kicked? No, that's Charles Sumner. Chaining? Yeah, Sumner. That's, that's uh, Sumner. The He's the one who came up with state suicide. Sumner. Uh, well, we're way too nice in Congress now. Like, yeah, we just had I that mean, thing now. Like back then, they'd just be like, oh. <laughs> See, like, they were arguing against, like, it was, I remember it was an argument against the 14th Amendment. Like there's equality mm-hmm. or whatever. And they're like, how could you let, like, a black person be equal to us? And his retort was essentially like, if a no good. Son of a bitch, lizard brain idiot like you is equal could, to me. Could be here. Yeah, then. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like very yeah. just like, well, I don't know. You should be treated equal. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, yeah. There's that scene from Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, even you, worthless, unworthy you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get to sit in here yeah. and have this debate for us. So if that's he true. goes, I don't believe in equality in all things, but I believe in equality before the law. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So so. Uh, in the end, Johnson was the was only one vote away from being removed from the presidency. He, the, the vote to convict him failed by one vote. Um, who went to bat for him? Uh, a handful of rep- so that's that's a really interesting thing. All the Democrats in the Senate voted to acquit. A handful of more. How mo- many Democrats were there? Uh, they, they got like annihilated essentially. Like they were, the- but they were still there were a handful. There weren't a lot of them. Uh, they, it was moderate Republicans, and the reason is at the time because there's no Twenty Fifth Amendment. Andrew Johnson has no vice president. Mm-hmm. There is no vice president while Andrew Johnson because there's no mechanism to replace the vice president. Um, and so one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons for the acquittal was that uh, since there was no mechanism to replace the vice president. Johnson, uh, next in line, would have been Benjamin Wade of Ohio, who is president pro tem of the Senate, who is an extreme radical, like in favor of women's suffrage in 1868 uh, radical. Can't have that. And so so he was too radical for even some of the more moderate Republicans who were like, we can't have this guy. So basically they they voted to not impeach him because they were afraid of this guy? A little bit, yeah. There's also that, and there's... Listen, listen, I know Johnson's a piece of shit. I know, I almost well, didn't mix again. <laughs> I know he's a piece of shit, I know he's a piece of shit, but come on, guys. Women Do you want rights. your wives voting? Like, oh, <laughs> God! Oh, but, and, like, and, and there's that, there's absolutely, there's, that's part of it. The other part of it is, is I think some of them go, we can just wait out the clock. This guy's not going to win an election. Mm. This is happening in February 1868, mm-hmm. is when, they, when he breaks the Tenure of Office Act. They're like, we're going to whip his ass... In the next election, like, why bother? I'm actually... Yeah. There are people who didn't think that the Tenure of Office Act was constitutional. They're like, yeah, he broke a law, but the law isn't real, right? You know, so there's there's a multitude of reasons. Like, you can't just pick one. Well, I just... Strategically speaking, I never understood why... I mean, obviously, it's like the, the you know, the 
way people thought at the mm. time about like the genders and stuff like that. But like, you just think from a strategic reason, the Republicans would be like, well, why don't we just give 50% of the population the right to vote and, you know, control things for the next hundred fucking years, right? Like they, yep. nobody thought about it like strategically yep. and like, you know, if we let women vote, they'll all vote for us for a really long time, right? Like it, and nobody did it. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard enough. Yeah. Making blacks equal. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah. Uh, so in the end, uh, he he's not convicted. He finished out the rest of his term, and he was not nominated by the Democrats in 1868. Right, so he just is done. So why was Johnson such a bad president? And I think this is best summed up by one of his biographers that I found, a historian Annette Gordon Reed, who's an African American woman. She said, "Quote: We know the results of Johnson's failure. That is, pre uh, his preternatural stubbornness." his mean and crude racism, his primitive and instrumental understanding of the Constitution stunted his capacity for enlightened and forward-thinking leadership when those qualities were so desperately needed. So, like, it, you know, it's bad that he's all of these things and then he's bad at all of these things at the worst possible time, mm -hmm. right? You know, there's always the question of, like, <coughs> what, what would Lincoln have done in Reconstruction? And we can't know, right, for certain, but we do know that Lincoln would have gotten more done, mm -hmm. right? And that there would have been, you, there wouldn't have been wasted time, basically, mm -hmm. is I think the argument is that Johnson wasted time at the beginning um, being stubborn, basically. Well, you read Team of Rivals, right? I actually haven't read oh, Team yeah, of Rivals. I mean, I mean, some of his actions kind of pushed like things that wouldn't have happened otherwise, like the 14th Amendment. Yeah. I mean, the 14th Amendment wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him, as you said, radicalizing some you know, of the portion of I, the Republican Party. I mean, there's that, but I also think one of the things that's interesting, and, and you're, you're right, that, and this is why we can't know. This is why it's kind of a... Um, but I do think it would have meant, you know, one of the problems, also if Lincoln has this, this you know, more effective, part of the problem is, is that Reconstruction doesn't end in 1868. Right. And Ulysses S. Grant, who succeeds to the presidency the next year, um, he's not a great president. He's not terrible. I think he's sort of middling at this point. But I think part of the reason he's so not good at it is there's no good blueprint for what should he be doing. Right. Because Johnson has essentially been cut out of the loop. Johnson's been cut. The presidency has been cut out of the loop of decision making for like the last three years of Johnson's administration. He mm -hmm. just doesn't do anything. He, every time he vetoes anything, it's overridden, which means that when Grant comes into office, there's no blueprint for him to follow mm. about what should he be doing with Reconstruction. So, like, if Lincoln doesn't die and Lincoln fills out a second term, I can imagine a scenario where, yeah, the 14th Amendment still gets passed because they want to cement it. Or maybe it gets passed later, or at the very least, the Civil Rights Act gets passed, which is functionally the same thing. And that Grant does a better job in Reconstruction because he's following Lincoln, mm -hmm. who, you know, left a blueprint of what needs to be done next, rather than Grant, who has no political experience, coming into an office where the last guy had done nothing for three years, mm -hmm. right? Who'd been totally politically neutered. So, uh, it's like that, when, when, like you start a new job or whatever, mm -hmm. you sit down and you're like, so... What did the last guy do? What the, and uh, Yeah, what, uh, anybody here to train me? Uh, any, any documentation here? Uh, you know what? We'll come back. We'll come back and get around to it. And you're just doop, doop, doop. Yep. Just and then you get some really bad advice from your friends who you brought with you to the yeah. job and they, oh, yeah. you know, defraud the government. Okay. So, uh, number two. We're getting we're over halfway. <laughs> Herbert Hoover. 
August, August, oh, August 10th, 1874 to October 20th, 1964. Dude lived a really long time. When did he die? October 20th, 1964. Oh. Uh, elections, 1928, won, 1932, lost. The guy who invented vacuums, right? Yes, basically. <laughs> um, administration, 1929 to 1933, political party is Republican. So Herbert Hoover grew up poor in Iowa and Oregon. He got himself a ticket to Stanford University, where he graduated with a degree in engineering. He made a fortune as a mining engineer. Uh, this is as close to a case of a self-made being a self-made man as I've ever seen. Like, it, it does seem like he actually did embody that kind of thing. Now, clearly, he had help and things like that, but he had not come from money, and he became a millionaire by the time he enters politics. During and after World War One, he oversaw food shipments to Europe to alleviate the suffering of people there, especially in Belgium and Russia. He actually uh, is uh, credited with like saving millions of lives in, in Central and Eastern Europe during like the Russian Civil War by facilitating the movement of grain, uh, mm -hmm. movement of food. Um, right. Mm -hmm. And it went to everybody equally. And I'm sure it did. Yeah. I, I, but the, I mean... The uh, white army didn't get most of it, I'm sure. I, I mean, from, from the sounds of it, like I... I I know you have a particular dog in this yeah, fight, yeah, yeah. Um, but from from the sounds of it, is that it it did actually save a whole bunch of people from starving. Oh, I'm sure it did. Because like, literally, you can send food to Russia anytime, and it'll save a bunch of people from starving. That's not that's par for the course. It just I bet like the white army got half, and the red army got the other half. The mm -hmm. problem is the red army was five times more people than the white army, and they yeah. knew that. Probably something like that. I'm just, I'm just I don't I don't know about that. His his first and only true government post was as Secretary of Commerce under Presidents Harding and Coolidge. So he'd never held an actual government post before that he so, was. So he was like a under. He was a secretary under two bad presidents, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he was. But he was a really <laughs> apt... groom him as a potential yeah, yeah, terrible guy, president. Yeah. But he was. He was really active in all the other areas of government, and this led to jokes that he was Secretary of Commerce and Under Secretary of all other departments. Oh, yeah. um, he was just constantly. Uh, but he's also a lot younger. Dude, just like butting in. All basically, the time? Like, yeah. He was, like... he was. He was. He was relatively young like i mean he was born in 1874 so in you know 1924 he's 50 which for a government bureaucrat yeah, like at the yeah. cabinet level is actually relatively young <laughs> um and you know he'd been a mining executive like he had a lot of like drive and energy so <laughs> mining speak. executive classically scrupulous uh, <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> classically fair to the everyman <laughs> yeah uh he he runs he fight any battles no. over the conditions of mining <laughs> yeah. or anything yeah. never called yeah. in the pinkertons or the yeah, national he interestingly Guard. did have some military experience uh, <laughs> in west virginia and <laughs> of the vigilante type <laughs> apparently he made all of his money in australia oh um he didn't actually. He didn't do any mining in the U.S. Oh, so he, oh. He, he commanded troops against indigenous populations. Yeah. Oh, by the time he would have been in the Australia, Kangaroos. there wouldn't have been any. Oh, fair enough. Like the 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 British were pretty pretty oh, effective at at, at wiping out their troops against the Irish. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> uh, he won in a landslide the, the over. Uh, he won he won in a landslide over Democrat and Catholic, which cost him the South. Al Smith in 1928. Al Smith is the first catholic american to run for president oh, and the even the solid south goes 
can't vote for a Democrat if he's a Catholic. No, yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like Mike had to point that out because he is Catholic. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. The Pope is acting through him. And yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike are you having a podcast? God damn it. We tend to, you know, why, why do we record these things on Sunday? Huh? I, why do we record these things on Sunday? Because we're trying to help you. No, because I, 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 I go to church in the morning and my, and my priest tells me, hey, this is what the, the Oh, yeah, yeah. Take. I have a letter here from the yeah. Pope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to you, Michael, yeah. Dr. Sage Scholar. Wait, wait, wait. Let me do the post, uh, the, the pre, what is it, prescript? Domine who Michael, do Is this where the Latin comes in? Yeah, <laughs> the I don't Latin know. portion of this podcast? Yeah, yeah. That's my Latin. Uh, Scipiano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frigatari Dario. That's my the Catholic Church is keeping Latin alive, I guess. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, which it's not classical Latin, though. Anyway, oh, it's yeah. medieval Latin. Oh. It's not even, you know, old Latin. Anyway, <laughs> Latin remix. Like, look at him. Like, no, like, I, it's not even the real Latin, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's a Latin hipster. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, dude, they didn't go back far enough. So, so the high points of Herbert Hoover's administration. So his high points were winding down the occupations of Nicaragua and Haiti. Mm, cool. Uh, though both would formally under under his successor Franklin Roosevelt, um, he began up that process. Uh, he participated in and got past the. London Naval Conference, which again kicked the can of a naval arms race down the down the road. Uh, you know, the Washington Naval Conference, which we talked about earlier, was starting to run out of steam. People were like, what about aircraft carriers? What about submarines? London Naval Conference. Uh, he was like, what about dams? <laughs> yeah. So the lows, the lows, there are a lot of them. The stock market crashed in late October 1929. Now, it didn't happen all at once, and it wasn't his fault yeah, how, specifically. Yeah, how much of his fault... It, but though blame can be placed at the feet of his predecessors, who did little Capitalism. To, to regulate the economy. Mm. However, by 1932, the stock market had lost 90% of its value. So between 1929 and 1932, 90% of the wealth in the stock market was gone. Hoover may not have caused the crash and its attendant Great Depression, but he bears responsibility for not doing more to solve Making the price. Wasn't his whole thing just like, nah? Yeah, he's like, it. walk it off, economy. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it was following <laughs> yeah. Calvin Coolidge's like motto, like, yeah. fuck the everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, U.S. economy, rub some dirt in, yeah, quit crying, yeah. <laughs> take two aspirin, and call yeah, me in the morning. Like the, the, yeah. So his principal problem was a failure of imagination or a willingness to entertain new ideas about the economy. When approached about abandoning the gold standard. Uh, so as to alleviate some of the U.S.'s monetary issues. Uh, he decried any other monetary system aside from the gold standard as, quote, collectivism. Uh, he steadfastly... Wow, I wish that didn't sound exactly like 20% of the internet today. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, you're not on the gold standard yeah, yeah. because they there was a meeting on an island, which did technically happen, but, like, they all want to own the world so they can put chips in our brains and make us all fucking multi-gender frog communists yeah. like frog i think i think you figured it out yeah yeah um yeah we now we're gonna fight the scourge of frog communism <laughs> gay frog communism yeah, but that no but it's bullshit because mm -hmm. every single time somebody says like well we'd be on the gold standard the gold standard i was like you know who's never been on the gold standard a modern nation that won a war not yeah. a single not well, one and, single and, fucking time the other thing is uh, a, a really great book uh is is barbara tuckman's book about the the 1300s 
Oh, okay. uh, and, uh, and I promised uh, a distant mirror. A distant mirror. Yeah. Yeah, and that. she describes the gold standard doesn't prevent governments from devaluing currency. You know what the government does? It seizes all the gold and reprints all mm-hmm. the currency with less gold in it. You can have inflationary policy uh, without... Real quick, Adam, economics Adam, is... Adam, I'm going to give you one guess who they stole the gold from first. <laughs> 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 I just said, you know, yeah. it's rural midwesterners yeah, that's yeah, who they stole it from the pope sometimes that's true sometimes that's true yeah, just, I mean that's why the knights just templar, raid the, the pope that's why the, knights, that's why the knights templar were crushed <laughs> for non-history the... fans just to be clear ah uh, Jews they <laughs> and uh, yes they took it from gold from the pope uh, a couple of times not as many times yeah, as yeah. they did from the Jews <laughs> that's absolutely true it is always interesting how many times medieval lords and kings borrow themselves to the hilt from Jewish bankers and then suddenly become over, are overcome with religious fervor and yeah, have to yeah, expel like, the yeah. Jews. It's funny how that Sorry, works. Sorry, no take back seats. Yeah. <laughs> well, it? it's fucking divine right. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. can you, like, you have to, fu- like, God yeah. said, borrow me this money. Yeah. Oh, all right, well, I yeah. guess he wins. So uh, so he, he, he refuses to go off the gold standard. Um, which might have which might have you know helped out he steadfastly blocked federal aid to the unemployed believing that it was the responsibility of the states and the local governments didn't the u.s stay on the gold standard until nixon only internationally yeah yeah. so uh fdr took the u.s off the gold standard domestically Uh, and then the Bretton woods agreement was the agreement to stabilize foreign currency on the gold standard and then nixon ends that um uh so he he goes you know it's the state governments it's local governments it's private charity that should be helping the unemployed but by 1930 31 these local agencies were overwhelmed and beginning to collapse mm-hmm. he advocated for and then signed the smoot hawley tariff the most stringent tariff in u.s history which kicked off a trade war with europe and canada and thus reduced american exports mm. he was myopic about balancing the federal budget which caused him to both raise taxes and cut spending which caused a further deflationary spiral wow finally when wait, in- wait 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 <clears throat> you're telling me Mm-hmm. That uh, uh, what oh, fuck? What do they call it in the EU context with like Greece and and Spain and Italy? Like it's... debt to GDP ratio? No, but it, they call it uh, uh, austerity. austerity. Austerity measures. Yeah, yeah. 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 Austerity. You're telling me austerity does that every time? Yeah, every yeah. Single it's it's pretty time? deflationary. And like occasionally, you need some like at, at a certain point. Like the difference is, is that the United States wasn't in debt. Right, right. Like the reason the United States economy collapsed in nineteen twenty between nineteen twenty nine and nineteen thirty one was not U.S. government debt. <laughs> like that wasn't the point. Like the reason the Greek economy collapsed in two thousand nine was that Greece had just been cooking its books for twenty years or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like that's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, no, the U.S. government had space to borrow money. Uh, in, in, in the late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, when in the later part of his term, he began backing aid in public works, it was all way too small and all far too late to alleviate the worst parts of the Depression. So he he fails to do any kind of reform. He fails to do any kind of positive action. And then when he does finally do positive actions, like the Hoover Dam is started by him. But And while that's an impressive building project, it doesn't soak up nearly enough unemployed people. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not enough, and he could not understand how to do that. And now, all of this is bad, but there are two other reactions Hoover had to the Depression that are even worse. 
The first was the scapegoating of Mexican migrant workers in the Southwest. And this is the, f- I'd never, I learned. scapegoated mm-hmm. Mexican labor. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually that know this until I never researched this episode. Yeah. in American Jesus history. Christ. He authorized the deportations of somewhere between 355,000 and 1 million people. Of whom between 40 and 60 percent, those are the estimates, between 40 and 60 percent were actually birthright U.S. citizens, many of them children. The Bracero program. The second was the crushing of the bonus army. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Congress had finally passed a bonus for those who'd fought in World War I. This is a sort of pension that would start to be paid out in 1945. Now, many veterans felt that they were owed the money and that they needed it now rather than in 15 years because yep. they were going to starve to death yep. in between then yep. and now. Yep. So they went to Washington and protested the government. Now, the Bonus Army, as they called themselves, had constructed a kind of shanty town. And the chief of staff of the army, an all-around overrated general and terrible person, General Douglas MacArthur, ordered his troops to clear the encampment. They well, used you're, ta- you're not enamored by his corncob pipe? And his and aviator sunglasses? Uh, and, 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 and apparently his need to refer to himself in the third oh, person, he's a, which is really sociopath. Oh, like, no. He, one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, quotes from uh, Dwight Eisenhower, because Eisenhower was a staff officer mm-hmm. to MacArthur in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And someone asked Eisenhower once about being a staff officer. To, he goes, I, I studied dramatics under... MacArthur for four years. Uh, no, he's just a terrible person. And he's he's been overrated. Like, he's not... He, he froze in the Philippines in 41, 42, but it doesn't matter. That's not... No, but he did that cool poem. What poem? You remember it's like the... Or no, no, no. Uh, we're, like, he made Soldiers up Soldiers Never Die or some no, shit No, he like made that. up this story about, like, we're the battling bastards of Bataan. No papa, no... Oh, no. No, that's his Bataan. men made that up. He made up that his men made that up for him. There's some like because he said all of a sudden at once they all started cheering this thing. Yeah, fuck you. Nigga. I mean, they did call him Dugout Doug. He yeah, hated yeah, yeah. that. Dugout Doug. Yeah. Yeah. That's where he spent all his time, time in Gregador. Yeah, in Gregador. Yeah. But anyway, but no. But he went and visited him one time, and they were like. Where are the battling battling like do a fucking chorus number from like a musical for him? Yeah. It's such bullshit. Yeah. So Douglas uh, MacArthur used tanks, tear gas, and bayonets to clear this uh, mm. this encampment. One veteran died, and one wife of a veteran suffered a miscarriage. Another fifty-five veterans were injured, and over a hundred and thirty were arrested. A 12-year-old boy died in the hospital after being tear gassed. The government said he died of an infection of his intestines. The doctor said to the tear gas, though, quote, it didn't do any good. Yeah. However, did not, had not ordered MacArthur to do this and even attempted to stop him once it was underway. Mm-hmm. So MacArthur does, goes, off the reser- goes off on his own to do this, right? decides on his own he's going to do this. And during while it's happening, Hoover is sending him messages being like, stop it. And MacArthur ignores those messages. Yeah, uh, he's MacArthur like, well, does... you know, they're just gonna be there. Yeah, if you don't, if I don't do anything about it, I mean. And instead of relieving him of his command, Hoover endorsed the general's actions after the fact. So yeah, that's that's where we're gonna end Herbert Hoover. Yeah, it, it, second worst president. I, Is uh, that Hoover remover? they're like oh you're a pretty good president we'll name vacuums after (laughs) that's all i get i don't get a library no he's known for the hooverville yeah Uh, you know and then uh hoover blankets are newspaper that you Mm -hmm. use to cover yourself Uh, while you're sleeping outside yeah Mm -hmm. hoover soup i think is just or hoover stew is just water Mm-hmm. That you put in a pot, and you're like, yeah. So he just gets remembered for shitty things. Yeah, well, no, a dirty humor is like you put her 
A, a dirty. <laughs> you put her ankles on your ears and then you spent. No, I'm just kidding. You've never gotten a dirty Hoover. Oh. There's a there's a there's a, a story. Of, it's like a Cincinnati stovepipe mixed with a San Francisco <laughs> omelet, and then but San Francisco, but they're in blackface. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you have to Pinky. abuse people. Um, but it was in the movie Caligula. See, so basically, he was just like, people aren't working hard enough, yeah. so I'm going to make it worse. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, well, and, and at this least... will incentivize them. Starvation. <laughs> well, and, and his secretary of the treasury basically said that. His secretary oh, yeah. of the treasury is a guy named Mellon. Uh, and he's like, uh, everyone has been immoral. Everyone's been spending this is, this too much. This is God's will. Yeah, everyone's we, been we gotta... spending too much. And if they weren't so lax, if they Keith weren't so Lee. lazy. Wasn't the 20s too? Wasn't it like the... Because there's the first, second, and then third Great Awakening, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it was, was like these one. religious yeah, revivals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there was there were some religious. I mean, basically, Mellon is too old to have been like affected by that. He's like seventy years no, old. No, but I'm I'm, I'm not saying like the twenties themselves, yeah. but like I think there was essentially the, the fuck. I'm gonna remember. I think it was right after the turn of the 18th century, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there was this big up like. Well, yeah, the first Great Awakening is in is in colonial America. Oh, the it first is Great Colum- Awakening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second Great Awakening is like the 1820s, 18, 30s, yeah. 40s. Yeah, and I thought there was a third one it, that was like 19. I've never though. I've never heard of anything yeah, being could be refer- wrong. No, no, I but there are there's periodic. Yeah. I don't think there's ever. I, I've never come across anything being referred to as the Third Great Awakening. But at the same token, you're absolutely right that there are periods of American history where there's a massive resurgence in like religiosity, religiosity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like the 1970s and 80s. The 1970s, <laughs> with a tinge of racism. But, 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 but the thing is, is like when you take the Second Great Awakening, like the Second Great Awakening. Um, was part of the abolitionist movement. It was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so we can't just call it reactionary. Like, yeah, there's yeah, absolutely <laughs> reactionary forces within the Second Great Awakening because mm-hmm. you, you start to have, like, pro-slavery Christianity uh, as, a, as a real force. Turns uh, out we still have that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think it's in uh, Troy, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so number one, are we ready? Troy, New York. Yeah. Are we ready to go on to the last? Drum roll. Are you ready? I'm pretty sure I know who it is at this point in time. Guess? Ooh, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, now I'm... What's your no, guess? Oh, my God. No, I'm all insecure. What's your guess? James Buchanan. James Buchanan, what's your guess? Oh, fuck. I was going to say Jackson, but... Nope. James Buchanan. Damn it. Oh! Yeah, James Apparently Buchanan. Apparently, you're a huge fan of Andrew Jackson. You think he was a great president. <laughs> so, that's funny. Uh, so, James Buchanan, born April 23rd, 1791, died June 1st, 1868. He was elected in 1856. He served from 1857 to 1861. He was a Democrat, a member of the Democratic Party. So he was born into a more or less, his background, he was born into a more or less middle-class family in Pennsylvania. James Buchanan was a career Democratic politician and operative. He served in the Pennsylvania State Assembly, the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate. He was minister to Russia, the United Kingdom. He was secretary of state. He had punched all of the right tickets, done everything he was supposed to do, and now he would become president of the United States. Oh, my God. It's like... It's like that kid, that kid in school, that like in high school, who was like National Honor Society student government, straight A student, mm-hmm. right? Does fucking great, and then they go to college and they just, go to one party, yeah, and they're they done. To, yeah, they go to one party and they're just like, I guess I have a substance abuse problem. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like all my decisions from here on out, poor, very bad decisions. So he just flunks out the first semester, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they become the like. 
older weird drug dealer like uh, <laughs> just on like campus hangs who's, around campus. <laughs> yeah they're always around at parties and you're like what are you majoring in and it's like no nah, man i'm just living free and you're like oh so you're a creep l-i-v-i-a living man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. what how old are you 51 no big deal yeah. no big deal Life's a journey, man. Life's a journey. Uh, <laughs> he was he was never married, uh, and there were rumors in he his, was gay. Yeah, there were rumors in his own lifetime that he might have been gay. It's uncertain at the least. It's it's very possible, very probable even. But again, you know, did, yeah, did he, he ever do a dirty Hoover? <laughs> <laughs> that was before his time. Oh, shit. <laughs> so highs, highs, none. It was all bad from the get go. No, no highs. None, not, not a single. I hated this man before I started researching. Oh, no. I hate, I, I like him yeah, even less now. Yeah. So it is fitting that the man who many, not just myself, view as the worst president yeah. in U.S. history should also happen to come into office just as the worst Supreme Court decision ever was being Dred rendered. Scott. The Dred Scott decision, which contains the phrase, and I quote, and it must, you mm-hmm. need to make sure that I'm quoting, yep. they, African-Americans, have for more than a century before been regarded as beings of an inferior order and so far inferior they had no rights which the white man was bound to respect and that the Negro might justly and lawfully be reduced to slavery for his benefit, end quote. That is an actual quote from a U.S. Supreme Court decision. Was issued on March 6th, 1857, two days after Buchanan's inauguration. The decision basically declared unconstitutional. I don't like that. I didn't like that. Mm. No, 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 you're not. I, I, I don't to... feel like they need to take a shower. Yeah, <laughs> it's like really like just Roger well, B. Tawney. Well, well. I hate that guy. Oh yeah, Marylander. Yeah, oh. good proud Maryland son. And you know, weirdly, weirdly, <laughs> an sort of anti-moron. An he was a, he was a, he was real anti-slavery in his youth. Oh, Apparently, yeah. he was real anti-slavery, and then something happened, and he, he got went, a slave. He went hard yeah. in the paint for. For, did he inherit something? I don't I think what it I think I honestly I think what it was and this is you know a, a side conversation like one of the you know the moderate quote unquote moderate anti-slavery position in in before the Civil War was colonization yeah and the problem is is that colonization was an excuse to do nothing because mm-hmm. no one could ever figure out how to make it work and I think he was in that camp came to the conclusion that you couldn't actually do it, so you might as well just be pro-slavery because he did wasn't he, willing he to... own slaves? I, I'm not sure. I don't know off the top of my head. Because or had family that did? He, he might have. He came from a slave. I think he did, family. and that was the thing, is that he was a part of... Because like, he was friends with one of the Keys, like one of the, oh, the Key yeah. family, yeah. and they were like both anti-slavery, yeah. and they both had this like transition from being anti-slavery like when he was a young lawyer like a young up-and-coming lawyer he like argued anti-slavery cases mm-hmm. and then goes on to become this like foundation no yeah, yeah one of them walked up one of them walked up to the other one was like hey man you ever taken the red tonic, blue tonic, the red tonic. i want you to take the red tonic yep, we're gonna make a fucking subreddit about it it's gonna be super uh, cool. it's just a sign of the time was yeah. he uh was he like an oregonian anti-slavery like you know how like uh, oh Oregon yeah like was, yeah yeah like they were anti-slavery but no black people yeah, yeah, yeah they were yeah. anti-slavery like, because like, slavery allowed us to like allowed i shouldn't say us but like allowed people like races to mm-hmm. mix and they yeah. were so against race mixing that yeah. they're like which goes I, with the colonialization yeah I, i'm not I, I don't honestly i all i know is i remember i read a book about um basically the the intersection between slavery and and constitutionalism Mm -hmm. like different kinds of constitutionalism going into the civil war and that was one of the things that was mentioned in this book was that 
uh, Roger B. Taney had started out as an anti-slavery advocate and then ended up over time, his view of constitutionalism moved from slavery should at some point be abolished to never. And the quote I just read, uh, which I don't want to say well, again that, out loud. That's direct his direct quote. quote. He, is, wrote the, he wrote the uh, opinion. A lot of the people who are anti-slavery weren't anti-racist. They were, oh, just like, they were just like, we don't want slavery, but we, and we also don't want black people around. I mean, yeah, that, so and that, they're not weird, equal. But like, yeah, well, yeah. And that was, that was the point of colonization, right? right. Is you would end slavery and essentially deport yeah. all of the black people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, that's part of the reason why, you know, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln invited a series of yeah. northern African-American leaders to the White House to be like, hey, can I, can I interest you in a colonization? Yeah, he, tried to push it. he tried to push it on them. Well, he did. And, they, and, and, and the thing was... Is, Frederick Douglass was there. Well, yeah, and these guys are like, we were born here. We're not mm. leaving. This is our country. And Lincoln came out of it being like, huh, Hadn't thought about it that way. Okay, <laughs> cool. Like, you know. Like, Guys, I got to sell you on this vacation trip. <laughs> How about a one-way trip to uh, West Africa? To West Africa. Yeah. No, and they were like, no, we don't want to fucking do that. And he was like, okay, cool. Good meeting, good meeting. And the last thing he said before he left the room, he's like, so... I, we're all friends. I can call you black <laughs> friend. Am I coming to the yeah, barbecue? I, and they're like, yeah, I yeah, you can come to the black friend. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, yes. They're like, come to the barbecue after the theater. And he's like, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. So right. uh, at his inauguration. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> I, I don't I'm really, to, really excited about these new friends are. <laughs> I really don't want to hear Nixon's opinion on slavery. Oh, it's Martha Lincoln, right? Lincoln's. Uh, no, it's not Martha. It's um, uh, Nancy. Nope, no, no, Mary Todd. Mary Todd was his. Mary, Mary, I have these new friends that I'm really big friends. She of. would not approve of his new friends. <laughs> she would. Oh, oh, she was from a slaveholding Kentucky family. Oh, oh was she? Yeah. She was not down for for uh, for all Mary, of that. Mary, have you ever heard the term <laughs> cuck? <laughs> Will you be my hot wife? <laughs> oh, I'm going to American hell. Whatever American history hell is where I'm going. When I die. Uh, so, so that the effect of the Dred Scott decision. Uh, was that it declared unconstitutional any anti-slavery law in any state and in any federal territory. The, the effect of the law was to say that slavery could exist anywhere. Yeah. Now, at his inauguration, uh, this in effect made every state a slave state. Uh, at his inauguration, Buchanan was seen talking to Chief Justice Taney and stated in his inaugural address the need to wrap up the slavery issue forever. Like, he wanted it done. And and the Dred Scott decision can be seen as saying the slavery issue... He's from issues- the South, right? Where Who? Is he from? No, he's from Pennsylvania. Oh. And we're going to get to that in a moment. I like that. Uh, and so in January of 1857, between his election and his inauguration, he had written to one of the associate justices advocating for as broad a decision as possible so as to end the slavery issue once and for all. If they had issued a very – because there there's this argument that basically the Dred Scott case could have rendered an extremely narrow decision that Dred Scott still needed to be enslaved. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about anyone else but just Dred Scott. That's it. For some particular technical reason. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah because, because, because of his, it's, it's his, but no, Tawny issues a decision that mm-hmm. says all, any, if this ever happens again, 
this the same issue the same decision mm-hmm. applies and that basically led to like federal slave catching right yeah if I remember more or less yeah, yeah. Um, this most likely helped contribute to the broadness of the the Dred Scott decision this letter to this associate justice uh, which if it had been that narrow decision it might not have helped pave the way for civil war civil war might still break out but the Dred Scott case is definitely like a sign marker on the way mm-hmm. when it's a wedge right mm-hmm. like it's basically if you yeah. do that decision you say this is slavery. Mm-hmm. We, we quote unquote solved it forever by letting who, one side win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by letting yeah. one side win completely mm-hmm. and radicalizing everybody on the yeah. other side. An unelected office yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, so the Dred Scott decision was not. Uh, was only one of the many things that led to the Civil War. Another was bleeding Kansas. Mm-hmm. Kansas had been the site of violence between pro and anti-slavery forces mm-hmm. for years before Buchanan's election. Yeah, but that's just dust in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Stupidest joke of the podcast. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> so Buchanan, we talked about, he's from Pennsylvania. Buchanan was what was called a doe face, or, quote, a northern man of southern principles, oh. uh, which is that oh, he, they no. couldn't come up that, with a that, better fucking name for that. That's never a good thing. <laughs> well, right, but, like, don't, you couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's it, couldn't that, been a, it couldn't have been, like, it was donkey's the, butthole. <laughs> they could have done anything else. Uh, he backed. Hey, Pig scrotum nose. Like, it could have been better. It had to was be catchy. slogan? That was his campaign slogan? Yeah. No, his campaign slogan was he was the old pu- public functionary. I'm not joking. That was his nickname, the old public functionary. Who wow. are you voting for? I'm voting for the old public functionary, James Buchanan. Uh, it's love, like old dirty bastard, but yeah. even more hardcore. <laughs> uh, I love how simple those campaigns were. But yeah, so quaint. So Buchanan, he backed the clearly undemocratic Lecompton Constitution for Kansas, for the Kansas Territory, which would have brought Kansas into the Union as a slave state. Now, but being for the uh, being that the vote for the Compton Constitution was called "quote a vile fraud" by the man who oversaw the, the counting, LeCompton. Oh, LeCompton. Yeah, named for a town in Compton. Kansas. Uh, the guy who oversaw the voting for the LeCompton Constitution called it a vile fraud. Mm. Uh, in 1858, attempting to uh, and and so because of this, there'd been this low f- level fighting in Kansas. In 1858, attempting to end the conflict. A bill was introduced into the House of Representatives named, quote, the English Bill, named for its author. So the author's last name is English. Uh, This was essentially a bribe to Kansas. Uh, Kansas would vote to become a slave state, and in exchange, they would be granted millions of acres of federal land. Mm. Uh, When it was put to a vote in Kansas, so it passes the House of Representatives, passes the Senate, he signs into law, it's put to a vote in Kansas. It failed with 1,926 votes in favor of becoming a slave state and 11,812 votes against becoming one, a margin of 14% to 86%. Jesus Christ. Okay, so James Buchanan did not run for re-election in 1860. He had said that in 1856. He had pledged in 1856 not to run for he re-election. He said he was just going to be a... Yeah, that was a normal thing in the 19th century. It was normal in the 1800s before the Civil War. James Polk uh, said in 1844 he would not run for re-election in 1848. Interesting. That was a normal thing to do. Um, and so he promised in 1856 he'd only serve one term. So the election of 1860 was a hot mess, which is a technical historian term. Oh, nice. All right. uh, there were four presidential candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Abraham Lincoln won the election, um, and between the election day and inauguration day, seven southern states, South Carolina, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas, all seceded from the Union. Oh, man, those are like all the best states. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do without oh my that? God. 
So during somebody this- get Florida back. <laughs> we need those Florida men <laughs> those haunting us to this day. <laughs> so to- we should have just let them go. <laughs> so so I I actually asked my uh, my history advisor in college. I go, why did we want the South back? She goes, do you have those? Do you have any cousins you're not super proud of? You know the ones you never invite over for dinner, <laughs> the ones you have to bail out of jail. That's the South. The South is our <laughs> that, oh. So, so interesting. They're trying to the rise. South also but, smokes uh, a lot of meth. <laughs> They're so, still trying to rise. But yeah. We don't know about that. <laughs> so, so during all, <laughs> I'd rise, but uh, it's Sunday and I'm not feeling real. Perky I'm, I got sure the my Viagra today. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I got a touch of the itis, and I just can't. Oh, the vapors. Oh, I've, I've done receive the vapors. I'm like, Are you sure that's not the parasites in your feet? <laughs> so during this time when seven southern states... They, back in the day, the South southern workers had parasites. In the, do you know this? No. Henry Ford uh, didn't understand why one of his southern factories was like way less productive mm. than his northern factories. Uh, this was told to me by a friend of mine. V- listeners, fact check me. Send me letters about what a dumb piece of shit I am. I don't care. I can take it. But... But basically, Ford, you know, they sent like an inquiry down mm-hmm. south. Like, why are our regular auto workers not performing as well as yeah. they are in the north? Yeah. Turns out they all had, uh, it's like rickets or some shit. Yeah, like, yeah, it was I like, it was like fucking worms in your feet. Oh, and it was yeah. because they didn't like dig their outhouses good enough and their yeah, shit all over everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would like, not having yeah, so they functioning fucking, plumbing. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, you need that plumbing, plumbing to uh, be a like, good factory. Yeah, so during this, there's this three month gap between. The election, a four-month, five-month gap between the election and... Why they lost the Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the reason. Also, Ulysses S. Grant kept bitch-slapping them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's that. More Easy that, to do please. when you don't have fucking uh, <laughs> worms in your feet. Um, oh, wait, I'm messing this up. You may, oh, so no, so no, during no. this during this period of time, this, uh, this three-month period, Buchanan did nothing. Even his Confederates seized federal property, including forts, armories, and arsenals. He ignored advice from General-in-Chief Winfield Scott, who advised the president to reinforce southern garrisons in anticipation of secession. Was he sympathetic, do you think? No. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. Instead, he, uh, he was talked out of this course of action by Secretary of War Floyd, who would later become a Confederate general. Mm. Floyd, actually sent, Floyd. Yeah, Floyd actually sent more guns and ammunition down to southern installations and uh, fled after the battle of uh, the, the the losses of Fort Henry and Donaldson at the beginning of the Civil War, uh, Floyd flees because he thinks he's going to be hanged for treason for these actions mm. of having been, as Secretary of War, supplying Southern installations with more guns and ammunition without any additional security, knowing mm. that there will be secessionists. Uh, and through all of this, Buchanan denies the right of the Southern states to secede. He does. He, he will say repeatedly, southern states don't have the right to secede. But he also thought the federal government had no power to stop them. That, that's typical kind of so, 19th century limited government yeah. kind of bullshit. So Abraham Lincoln's designated Secretary of State, William Seward, summarized as, as this. And I love this quote. Quote, no state has the right to secede unless it wishes to. And it is the president's duty to enforce the law unless somebody opposes him. <laughs> <laughs> what about state suicide? Is that is that yeah. more So the failure the failure of Buchanan's <laughs> leadership. To that? Yeah. They just want to kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, Politically. Just, just put them out. Yeah. The failure of Buchanan's leadership between December eighteen sixty and March eighteen sixty one condemned the United States to four years of bloody civil war. But also didn't he oversee like a they had a terrible economic 
downturn. They did, but this at the, at the panic of 1857, and I was going to put that in there, but the federal government did so little with the economy in the 1800s yeah. that I can't blame him for that. Yeah. Like, and part of the reason the panic of 1857 happened is that a gold ship from California sunk off uh, the coast of uh, off of the coast of Carolina, like South Carolina, like a boat. Uh, filled with gold. Filled with gold that had been mined in California. It was that the first it was sent down to Nicaragua. Wow, that's quite and a then, trip. And then it was unloaded in Nicaragua, loaded onto a different boat, mm-hmm. and that boat Man, sank. I wish they had trains back then. Yeah, <laughs> a, 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 a transcontinental railroad. A transcontinental railroad might, might have helped out with that one. Just, this might have been the reason why Republicans were in favor of that. There's like three politicians on the coast, like staring out into the sea, scratching their head, like there's got to be a better way to get our California gold out of here. By the way, did they ever find that ship? Yeah, they did oh, a, okay. a couple of years ago. Yeah, they did that? Oh, yeah, a did they find the gold. Ago? Yeah, I think so. Oh, who yeah, so? Uh, but that that definitely did, that the sinking of like there might have been a, a, a recession, regardless in 1857. But like the fact that a bunch of like banks and lending houses in New York were like, no, we're totally going to pay our debts. We just need to wait for the ship of gold to come in, and then that ship never made it. They're like, oh shit, we don't have any money now to pay our debts, and that made everything way worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I there was a couple of years ago where I was like attempting to write a biography of William Tecumseh Sherman. It was way too ambitious a project. Not wow. Never I, I, no, I've done it. I've done uh, the same kind of thing. But I, uh, he wrote a letter. He he got into banking uh, in the 1850s. Sherman did, and he'd been out in California during the gold rush and been a banker. And the bank failed. Not because of him, because banks in the 1800s failed constantly. They, there's a reason people don't trust banks, and it's the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, nobody could count past 100. Yeah. <laughs> and they made it up from 75. <laughs> oh, that's a callback to a different episode. So, I'm a hack. So, so, he, so he, the, the bank fails out in California, but his friends go, well, you can join our bank out in New York. And he doesn't even make it to New York. And the panic of 1857 happens and the bank fails there too. And he writes to his brother, to his friend. He's like, just send me to London. I'll crash the whole world's economy. Like wherever I go, banks fail. Just send me to London. Everything, everything will break. Correlation causation to that. You know what I mean? No, 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 Sherman. You don't understand. Uh, The banks are failing all over the place. You just happen to be... Yeah, yeah, no, he, he he was feeling real sorry for himself. Luckily, eighteen fifties. Uh, honestly, luckily in our lives we haven't had a problem with like with huge bank, banking bank, yeah. Yeah. Uh, everybody no. in the ass. It's no. almost like it's never happened. Yeah. Not once. Have you have you seen a uh, you know in like uh, Malcolm X Park they have a statue to James Buchanan? Have you seen that? No. Why would they anyone they, have a statue? It's so of James random. Buchanan? Have you seen it? No. It, there's a, a statue of James Buchanan Where? in uh, Meridian Hill Park. Oh, I that, thought you said Malcolm X it Park. It is called Malcolm X Park. Oh, well, I'm a terrible Washingtonian. Whitey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's... Go it's, play yeah. bluegrass, yeah. Whitey. <laughs> I will, all right, I'm sorry. Uh, it's kind of hidden. Yeah, uh, no, I, it's a, for, I don't know why anyone wouldn't build a... A, a shrine a, to the world. I mean, you know, He's, it is kind of an accomplishment being the worst president ever. But one I that mean, you shouldn't be proud of. I mean, right? you like, know. What's better? Best and worst. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Like, yeah, better, best janitor you, you is probably better. You than get remembered president. one way or another. So, so, uh, question uh, one: uh, What do we think of my list? Hmm. Yeah, Buchanan is a strong argument, being that, like, you know, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem is saying like his decisions directly led to the Civil War is like sort of like it's like you're taking the power out of the fact that like America yeah. was headed towards yeah. it was this like a, wedge a issue. Fucking lum- lumbering yeah, I mean, train heading. You yeah, know. it was a cultural oh, it was yeah, like I mean, an, an entire I, cultural I mean, there's, there the is... The South had one type of economy and the North yeah. 
they were intertwined, but the yeah. North had a different kind of uh, economy. Like the people didn't trust each other. Mm -hmm. Like Southern people call like said Yankee next to son of a bitch more mm -hmm. often than anything. Else. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was a cultural divide based mm -hmm. on this issue in a very like profound issue of whether yeah. or not all people are in fact equal people, and yeah. like, or I even just know. people. Not even right, equal, right, necessarily. Right, right. Just people. Right. And I don't think... And especially, I mean... So so I, I see... I do actually see what you're saying, and, and you're absolutely right. And I do think I tried really hard to not say that his decisions led to civil war. Mm -hmm. One, his decisions helped facilitate it, right? His his meddling in Kansas and his meddling in, in the Dred Scott case definitely moves in that well, direction. And, yeah, and, people, and, people, and people understood that at the time. Like, mm -hmm. that's the thing. He knew that he was putting his thumb on the scale. But secondly, there had been kind of proto-secession crises before, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, in, in 18, you know, one of the reasons Andrew Jackson's not on the list uh, is that uh, after the passage of the Tariff of Abominations. Uh, the fucking what? The <laughs> so that's what South Carolina called it. It was the Tariff of 1832. They okay. called it the Tariff of Abominations. And uh, <laughs> not slavery, but a tariff. Yep. And and so they they said they were going to secede over this tariff, mm. uh, and 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 Andrew Jackson's response to that was to raise fifteen thousand men, and and he told the government of of South Carolina, if you secede, I'm going to march into South Carolina. I'm going to hang you from the highest tree I can find. And interestingly enough, people don't like that. Yeah, they <laughs> there was there was basically he 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 made he made it very clear that the federal government's position was that secession was treason and would be met with force, mm -hmm. right? And and South Carolina was kind of alone on. This it was though, alone, right? but that's the thing is that South Carolina secedes in 1860. The rest of the states don't secede until January, February, March 1861. So if South Carolina secedes in December 1860, and Buchanan's response is, if you do this, if you carry through with this course of action, I'm going to raise an army to suppress rebellion before there are seven states that have left the Union. Mm. Like, the reason why Lincoln's call for 75,000 volunteers to suppress the rebellion causes four more states to secede, Tennessee, North Carolina, uh, Arkansas, and, and Virginia all secede post-Fort Sumter. But mm. the reason is, is at this point... Those four states are like, those states have left the Union. You can't bring them back by force. Mm -hmm. Like, there was an inertia. There was like a logical inertia in, in the South that they'd already succeeded in, sec in secession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if Buchanan had taken a harder line earlier, and if he had followed the advice of Winfield Scott, who said before the election, you need to reinforce Southern garrisons in case Lincoln wins. Mm -hmm. Like, because Southerners were saying that they'd secede before Lincoln was elected right um and and buchanan doesn't take any of that seriously it's just like nah it's just the southerners like yeah. you can't take everything they say seriously basically like, i mean they got worms in their they, feet. They got, <laughs> <laughs> they're always saying shit like, yeah. like, and and so, like thar and yeah, 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 and y'all yeah. it's just fucking you know and, and they they're always declaring things i do uh, declare i do declare all this do. is an attack on my personal <laughs> property <laughs> how dare you it's the same shit same shit <laughs> another decade yeah. but i i just so so that i mean that basically like i see your point and i and i 100 agree that there is like a cultural thing and this this comes back down to uh, to an idea that i i remember talking with a friend of mine and like when i was a horribly pre I, I imagine i was 
I don't know why you were friends with me in college. I must have been horribly unpretentious uh, and like annoying to be. <laughs> if anyone wants to answer that question, he didn't drink in college, so I already had. <laughs> yeah. I always had a car ride someplace. So it was, it was very useful. You were a Swiss Army knife of drunk guy friends. <laughs> uh, but I remember. <laughs> but I remember telling. I remember telling someone who was in college that like, the like I I always believed that the concept of war is inevitable, but no actual war is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, we shouldn't ever fall into the trap of saying that any particular conflict was actually going to happen because there's always ways to avoid them. But the fact of the matter is that because humans are fallible and flawed and kind of terrible, there will always be some, and you can't always bat a thousand, right? Mm-hmm. You can't always come up with the, the solution that, that reasonable people can get around and be like, Oh yeah. You know. Okay. But I, so, my, so that, that's, that's my, that's my only, my sort of pushback there. I, and, and you, being much more informed on the both of you being more informed on this topic than me but I, I do seem to remember from a few courses in college that one of the things that happened is you started getting up to the 1860s mm-hmm. that you probably wouldn't have seen in mm-hmm. South Carolina during yeah. that original succession is like you read the newspapers mm-hmm. from the 1850s it's like every like down south every other article is like the Yankee demons want to yeah, take yeah, your yeah, rights yeah, yeah. Oh. And, they, and it's like do they not <laughs> yeah, understand yeah, that yeah. we're like the master race basically yeah, like yeah. it was like oh, the, the don't, can the, you see we're doing good things for black yeah. people and the, the whole the oh, whole and, and, south was so radicalized oh, to the yeah. idea that the north were their enemies oh yeah and no that's so true any, that's any, that's know. absolutely true and and you're you're not wrong and maybe maybe if buchanan had taken a hard line um one there might have still been a civil war yeah. it's entirely possible it's also possible that well, there were some fire eaters who wanted that war. oh yeah no absolutely and i love that you use the 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 the, the, the term fire eater that was that my soul makes me happy because I love that term. Wait, wait, here, let, let me guys set the mood for you guys. I don't want <laughs> to be over. Um, oh. You hit the mic again. And that's the gong. Yeah, and that's our show. Yeah, and that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been a long one, but a good one. Yeah, huh? yeah. and huh. yeah. Any other uh, parting words? Mm. Uh, we're still gonna get that fucking first sexual experience story. It's a guarantee to <laughs> our listeners. And it's gonna involve Nixon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so Be much gentle. for listening. Please uh, like and subscribe. Also, uh, you know, give us a review if you like this show and follow us Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Mm-hmm. Laughing signal H I S T signal four chan four chan. We're not on those things. Wherever right. you get telegram, yeah. uh, <laughs> that thing called the internet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not on telegram or four chan uh, or a chan. Not yet. Any of the chans? Are Truth, we on, are we on Truth Social? What about the dark web? Are we? <laughs> Adam, Adam, where can you... we say we're not on the dark web? <laughs> hey, can, hey, right. Adam, Does where... dark matter exist? I don't know. A- can you, you yeah, yeah, Adam, S- S- R- R- S- R- uh... He's like Adam, Adam. Yeah, Which Adam? Well, uh, uh, you know, you, 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 you're, you're like our tech guy. How, mm-hmm. how are we getting onto the dark web? Like, how are we getting onto the dark? Yeah, web? like, you, what's our progress? Magic. On that? Magic. <laughs> that's how tech works you didn't know that the dark web it's just magic yeah the, it, rituals mostly wizards you put wizards in a circle and they all cast <laughs> the same spell and it goes up in levels is, is um, there is there human sacrifice required 
No, it's elven sacrifice, actually. Oh. Yeah, they're, just a quick FYI, there are elves. Uh, and, they've and, been living, and, and their only yeah. use is to get onto the dark web. Yeah, yeah, well, that's <laughs> where they started. They're, they only live in forests and underground, um, and sometimes in your dreams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if you kill one, you have uh, a lot of really, really valuable blood that you can sell to the Illuminati. And that's our show. And that's our show. Thank you so much. 